I said, you guys have all been sitting. You can sit. Everybody's been sitting the past few weeks, so I was like, maybe I need to sit also, and now I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I wore my sitting shoes. So they're really great when you sit, not when you stand for a long time. So we're going to make it together this morning. All right? Who is excited to be in the house of God? I am excited. Two, two guys in the back and a couple people in the front. All right. Uh, it's my favorite place to be any day of the week. I know sometimes I'm like, it's my favorite place to be on a Sunday. But really, any time I get to be in the house of God is my favorite time. Because good things happen when we're in the house of God. We get to mingle with each other, have fun, laugh. But I always leave feeling lighter. I always leave feeling um, full of hope and full of joy. So, And we've been talking about those in our Fruit of the Spirit Fresh series. All right, look to your neighbor and say, you look fresh. You look fresh today. Awesome. I can't do it. I said I can't. I got to move. We were done. That was done. I can't do it. All right, here we go. I am going to do some teaching here this morning. So I even told Denise as we were going through the slides, I was like, get ready. We're going to be fast on the slides this morning um, because I got a lot of information I want to give to you. I have a lot that I want to share with you. So I am ready. I hope you are ready. Um, if you are writing notes, I am so glad. You either are going to have a hand cramp when you're done or you're going to need to go back and listen um, because you might have missed something and I hope you don't. Uh, but, you know, we do put all these messages on a podcast so you can go back and miss or catch anything that you've missed. All right. I can't get my notes to scroll. Here we are. I'm going to start this morning by reading out of our series text, which is the whole text is Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. But I'm going to pick it up in verse 22 this morning. And it says this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That sounds like a good list. And it says, against such things there is no law. Which that sounds weird to say that after a bunch of good things. But Paul is writing to this early church that is a mix of Jews who have been raised their entire life to live a certain way. They have been told from birth, most likely, that they are God's chosen people. You have been set apart. You are the special ones. In comes this man named Jesus, who's the son of God. And now everybody's included in God's special people. And they're like, hold on a second. You mean these guys that are doing all this crazy stuff can all of a sudden say, now I believe in this good news, and they can have all the same things I can have? Yep. So he's saying, come on, stop arguing. Stop Stop trying to, you know, put things into a box and say that this is not what God wants or this is against the law. He's like, let's, let's get together. The fruit of the Spirit, as we've been learning, is not nine fruits, but one fruit. Each of these are aspects of the whole fruit. So he's saying these are designed to bring unity. These are designed to unite us together. Against such things are, there is no law, because those who belong to Christ have been crucified to the flesh. With passions and desires, we live by the Spirit. So let's keep in step with the Spirit. All right? We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, or let's call them this, the characteristics of God. We're talking about these characteristics of God. So 
Maybe for some of us, we got saved, we said yes to Jesus, we're so proud that we became Christians, and we hear about this fruit of the Spirit, and so we go, oh, my pastor prayed that I would be filled with the Spirit, and I woke up the next morning, and I felt the same. I was expecting that I was going to get this, like, little bonsai tree that I could take with me, you know, and it's got all my fruit on it, and I'm ready to use it. But no, I felt the same. It's not like a a gift with purchase, take this with you, but it is a gift with purchase. Because when we say yes and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he allows us to have those gifts. But what does he do? He grows those gifts in our life. So we have the seeds of those gifts, and now we have to grow the fruit. We don't just get a ready-to-eat little tree with fruits. We are the tree and the fruit is growing. So when we as Christians come into this close relationship, this intimate relationship with God, we start to pick up his characteristics. It's called communicable attributes. Kind of sounds like, you know, when if you and your spouse, you know, you love each other and one of you gets sick, well, then the other one's probably going to get sick because you're spending so much time together. You live in this closeness. Well, it's the same with God. As we have this close, intimate relationship, Genesis 1:26 says that we were made in the image of God. He said, let us make man in our own image, in my likeness. We were created to reflect, to live in the likeness of God. So all of these fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, these are his attributes, and we were created to also have those attributes. So the first, well, I guess it was two weeks ago, we talked about love. And I think love is the foundation fruit. Like maybe you can't have the rest without love, I don't know, but it is the absolute essence of who God is. It's the essence of who he, who he is. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. There was two people on the planet, two people, when sin entered the world. Just two people. We didn't get very far in the plan. We created some good things. There was only two people. He could have been like, oh, you guys messed it up. Sorry, we got to start over. Like back to the drawing board. Let's just blow it up and start the whole thing again because you guys messed it up. There's only two people. But instead, he puts this plan into motion to redeem all of humanity that would come after that by sacrificing his son. Why? Because he's so loved. He is love. Love is his nature. And it's not clearly, it's not based on a feeling because they broke his heart and let him down, and we continue to do that all the time, and he continues to show us love and mercy and peace and forgiveness and grace. But it's this deep well, this sacrificial love that goes beyond any feeling, that agape love. And then last week, we talked about joy. And we had our great friend, Pastor John Scott, from Christ Culture Church. If you missed it, you can go back and listen. It was really good. But joy, as we learned, is this spiritual buoyancy. It kind of keeps us up. But the interesting thing about joy is while joy keeps us up, it's rooted in the assurance of our salvation. So peace, we're going to talk about peace today. Peace and joy are rooted, they're grounded in the assurance 
of our salvation, what's assurance? That knowing, that confidence. So remember, John 3, 16, maybe sometimes you're not feeling like, I'm confident that I'm saved. For God so loved the world. For God so loved, put your name in that space, me, that he gave his only son. That whoever believed, not whoever got it right all the time, not whoever invited 47 friends to church, not whoever made one sin ever in their life, whosoever believes in me. So we can have assurance. Joy is the sheer beauty, sheer delight, excuse me, in God for who he is. It's the delight in God for who he is. And the opposite of joy is not sorrow. The opposite of joy is not sorrow. I know you would think, oh, the opposite of joy is sadness. No, because the Bible tells us that we can feel sad still and have joy. The opposite of joy is hopelessness. It's hopelessness. And the counterfeit of that joy comes in, in the elation that we have of the blessing and not the blesser. C.S. Lewis says that a real Christian should um, take their eyes from the sunbeam up into the sun. So you look from your blessing to the blesser. If I'm putting all of my delight and my joy in my new car and my promotion, what happens when those things are old? Where is my joy? But if my joy is in the one who gave it to me, then I'm always going to have joy. All right. So we're continuing today with peace. I want to do a few things. We're going to look at the definition of peace, the opposite of peace, the counterfeit of peace. How do we cultivate peace in our life? And then, because I said that peace and joy are rooted in the assurance of our salvation, I want us to look at the enemies of peace and joy. Because here's what happens. As soon as we say yes to Jesus and we become Christians, We go from having one enemy, who is God, to having multiple enemies. And the devil knows that there is nothing he can do that will rip us out of the hands of God. So he does everything he can to make us miserable, attack our peace and joy, and make us doubt the assurance of our salvation. So we're going to talk about that this morning and what we can do. Let's look at Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verses 9, or 4, excuse me, 4 through 9. 4, 4 through 9. All right. It says this, Always be joyful in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Then the God of peace will be with you. All right. So sometimes when we say peace, we think what? Silent, quiet. It's the library. It's the boring heaven that no one's going to. We're going to fun heaven, right? 
where it's loud and fun and it's a party. Peace, we think sometimes of it being maybe just, oh, just um, by a lakeside at dawn before the boats come out and it's all just, you know, very serene. And those are wonderful, but that's not just what peace is. Peace doesn't just mean quiet and still and calm, but peace actually means not scattered. It means not scattered. It's this assurance, this, this anchor almost that all will be well. It's a, you know what, my life is super crazy right now, or I'm just waiting on um, the results of this test, or I'm waiting to find out if I get this promotion, I'm waiting to see what's next, and it just feels like there's all of these variables, and I don't know which way is up, I don't know which way is down, however, I know that my life is in the hands of the one who orders all life, so no matter what the outcome is, it's going to be all right because God has a big plan. All right, so the definition of peace this morning is this. It is the confidence and rest in the wisdom and the sovereignty of God more than your own. Because, you know, sometimes we just need to help God out. If he's not moving on our timetable, we're like, are you sure, God? Like, I trust you, and I'm praying about it, and I'm putting it in your hands, but also I'm just going to Keep working, keep working on it. Now, there is a difference between praying and asking God and doing your part. And there's a difference then in praying, asking God, and then you keep taking it out of his hands to manufacture the answer that you want. God, it's in your hands. I trust you no matter the outcome. God, I'm just going to help you keep moving along the outcome that I want. The Dake Annotated Bible describes peace like this. The state of harmony and order, and security in the midst of turmoil, strife, and temptations. In the midst. It doesn't say peace is without turmoil, strife, and temptations. It says peace is the order and the harmony in the midst of turmoil and strife. I don't know if any of you have heard of the Enneagram, if you're Enneagram fans or whatever, but the number nine is called the peacemaker. And sometimes we hear about that and we're like, oh, that means you just go in and make sure that everyone stays calm. And I said, Mm-mm, nine doesn't say peacekeeper, it's peacemaker. Somebody who makes peace, peace dives into the midst of the turmoil and helps bring order. It helps bring harmony. It doesn't go, oh, okay, well, let's not dip our toe in the calm water because we don't want to put ripples in it. It jumps into the storm and brings order. So if joy is the buoyancy about being up, peace is the steadiness. It has to do with the confidence. Remember that God is control, in control of our life. So how do we get that? How do we get peace? Well, verse 6 says, do not worry. Do not be anxious. You're thinking, that sounds great. I'm going to put myself in with you. I worry about stuff all the time. And I have to go, tell me to stop worrying about it because I'm probably circling the same things that I worry about all the time, right? The enemy knows the things that that maybe make us nervous or that get us. So those are the things he's always going to poke. Those are the things that we keep looking back on going, why is this the thing that I've written down in my prayer journal year after year after year that I want to get over, but I'm still coming back to it? Because the enemy wants to rock our assurance of salvation. All right. 
It says don't worry about anything, but in prayer with thanksgiving. So it's not just prayer, and it's not just thanksgiving, but God wants us to talk to him. He knows what we need, but he wants us to tell him anyway. What is it that we need? But we don't just go, God, I need you to sort this situation out, bring peace. God, I thank you. With thanksgiving, I thank you, Lord, that you have ordered my life. I trust you in this situation. And I know that no matter the outcome, I believe that you have ordered my steps. So what your plan is, is good. And it is pleasing. And I am going to take delight in whatever it is that you have for me, God. And you thank him for it, knowing that it might not be the answer that you're hoping it will be, but you trust that he's got a plan and that his plan is bigger than what we can ask or imagine. All right. So if the definition of peace is the confidence in God, then the opposite of peace is anxiety. The word anxiety actually just means in many pieces. Now, there is a difference. I'm not talking this morning about clinical anxiety. I am talking about the scattered nature of our minds the worry, where all the questions and the doubt starts to come at us. And this is what happens. We start to have all these thoughts that start spinning, right? Because we, we're, we're pretty evolved people. We can do a lot of multitasking. And so we have all these different things in our life that are coming at us. And what anxiety does in this case is all of these thoughts try to take our attention and tell us what to do. So instead of us telling all of these things what they're going to do, and getting them in line, in order, in harmony, in the midst of the turmoil, they're all trying to tell us what to do. So the Greek word for anxiety is marimna. It means anxiety or worry, right? So there is a good example of this in Luke chapter 10. Uh, we actually just talked about it, Mary and Martha. Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. So these sisters are having Jesus in their home He's their friend. They're having Jesus and the disciples over for dinner. And Martha is making sure that all the food is cooked, that the candles are lit, that there's a place setting for everyone. She's like, oh, shoot, I hope I don't burn the meat and the bread stays warm and there's enough, uh, you know, wine or whatever for everyone to drink. And oh, sweet, sweet Mary, I wish you were helping me. But you have chosen this exact moment to have your quiet time with Jesus. Oh, dear sister. <laughs> and she's probably like, Jesus, are you going to say something to her? Or else we're going to have to have some words about this afterwards. And he finally says to her, Jesus says to Martha in Luke 10, 41, he says, Martha, Martha. Like, he had to call her twice because she was all in her head. You are worried and upset about many things. You are marimnous, Martha. But few things are needed, indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what is better. See, in that moment, Jesus was like, you have all of these things vying for your attention. I'm one of them. But Martha, sweet girl, you are in big trouble if I am not the only one. If you can't call those things all into order that are trying to vie for your attention and pull you and pull you and pull you, I have to be the only one. You got to... Bring that into harmony in the midst of the turmoil. Okay, 
If anxiety is the opposite of peace, then what's the counterfeit of peace? The counterfeit of peace is cynicism or apathy. <coughs> All right, these are manufactured peace. Manufactured peace, and it looks like this. It might look like peace. Um, can you give me my water? It might look like peace. It might even smell like peace, and ooh, maybe, maybe it tastes like peace. I don't know if we'd want to try it. But if it looks like peace, it smells like peace, it tastes like peace, chances are it's peace. Mm, how do we know? Well, remember we said that the fruit of the Spirit aren't fruits of the Spirit, but fruit, which means one fruit can't exist on its own. We can't have only peace. We can't have only love. We can't have only joy, happiness, patience. And this is where maybe we need a helper. We need a friend. So if I think that I have peace in my life and I need to check my fruit, maybe I need to ask somebody, how's my peace? What's my peace looking like? Do I seem peaceful to you? Do you see other fruit in my life? What other fruit are you seeing? It doesn't have to mean now that, you know, peace is huge and then all these other fruits are small. That counts. They don't all have to be the same. You just have to see fruit on the vine, right? If you think you're only seeing peace and we don't see any of these other things, chances are you got counterfeit fruit. Chances are we have a counterfeit. See, fruit is similar, in a sense, to the gifts of the Spirit. <clears throat> so we talk about the gifts of the Spirit as gifts that are ours, but they're what? They're not for us. They're mine, but they're not for me. They're for me to serve other people. So I have the gift of administration. It's great. It's not always fun because things that are disorganized stress me out. And I can't help but fix it. And sometimes I just want to leave it, but I can't leave it. We got to fix it. <laughs> now, it could help me in my personal life, order my life. But really, this gift is used in my family, in my work team, in my church team. It works in community with other people. Fruit, I might think that I am so filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Drop me in the middle of a room and you're going to find out real quick what fruit I got. And if I, you know, do I have ripe fruit? Do I have rotting fruit? Do I just need to prune it, maybe water it? So when we're in community with other people, we are able to see not in comparison, where is my fruit, but how healthy is my fruit? What are they doing to tend to their fruit? Their fruit's looking really good right now. What are they doing? How are they fertilizing their fruit and cultivating their fruit? Maybe I need to go have a coffee with them. Their fruit's not looking so good. Maybe I need to see if they're okay. It's meant to bring unity together, the fruit of the Spirit, is meant to bring unity to the body. Okay, so how do we cultivate peace? Because remember, like I said, sorry, we don't just get a little baby tree ready to go with ripe fruit, and we just have to care for it. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are able to cultivate fruit in our life. And what happens is <clears throat> we we start out on this journey, or even, I mean, gosh, any point in our journey in our Christian life, 
we can go, oh, I can't wait to cultivate fruit. Lord, I know that your spirit, your Holy Spirit wants to see me thriving. And so as I live in community, I just know that you're going to do it for me. But then, because the enemy is coming after our peace and joy, we start to let the opposite of peace come in. And anxiety starts to take over. All of our thoughts start coming in. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm upset that I didn't get the promotion. Well, now I'm not just upset. I'm upset that I'm upset. My husband knows this one. I'm like, I'm always frustrated that I'm frustrated about something. He's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I'm just frustrated. And he's like, really, about what? And whatever it is, and I'm like, and then I'm just frustrated that I'm frustrated about it. It's the dumbest thing. But you add to your current feeling or state of emotion. We do that. We keep churning it. I'm sad that I'm sad about this. Instead, we have to go back to Philippians 4, verse 8, and he says, brothers and sisters, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. You've got all of these thoughts that are coming and trying to tell you how you're supposed to feel, how, how you're supposed to think, how you're supposed to order your life. This should be the most important thing. This should be the most important thing. Don't be friends with that person. You need to be thinking about this. And it's saying fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and pure and lovely. Think about those things. Keep putting into practice what you've learned. Think about, put it into practice. Then the God of peace will be with you. Order your thoughts. Order your thoughts. Peace comes from the assurance of our salvation. We can either listen to our head and our heart, or we can talk to it. Which one are we going to do? In Psalm 42, verse 5, the psalmist says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? He's like, hold on a second. All of these things are coming at me, and it's starting to tell me what to do. And he's going, wait a second. Why am I discouraged? I'm going to put my hope in God. He's ordering his thoughts. Instead of listening to your heart or your thoughts, you need to talk to it. See, worry is when we listen to all of these. And we're like, oh, shoot, there's no way I can keep all of these things going. I got to keep feeding them. I got to keep feeding them. But peace comes when we talk to it, when we bring into alignment. And maybe the only peace that we know right now is for God so loved me, for God so loved me that if I would believe, I would not perish but have everlasting life. He calls me his child. I don't have the rest of it down yet. I'm just at whosoever believes, whosoever believes. Just keep reminding yourself. Talk to your heart. Write down scripture, truth, and stick it everywhere you need to see it. Keep reminding yourself. There's something cool about having the Bible app, and you can go on your phone, and if you need a verse for worry, you can search for it. But literally putting pen to paper is something triggers in our mind, and we remember it. We're going, I'm committing this to my memory. I care more about my memory and my heart than, oh, it's just convenient to highlight it in the Bible app. And then I forget, I have a million things highlighted in there. I don't even know how to find them. There's probably a way, but I don't know. Okay. But I've got tons of little post-it cards written all over the place with Bible verses on them that pop up just when I need them. Stick them places. All right, let's talk quickly. 
Oh, shoot. Okay. Let's talk quickly about the enemies of peace and joy. So the enemies of peace and joy because, yes, thank you. Because joy and peace, I think love is first because it's the essence of who God is. Joy and peace are rooted in the assurance of our salvation. They keep us tethered to God. All of these other things, you know, peace, patience, kindness, they're all really important and they're great and we need them. But I think these, th these three are like the core. They're going to keep us when we've got nothing else. When we've got nothing else. So the enemy comes after them real hard. Who is the enemy? The world, the flesh, and the devil. And I know that sounds really interesting. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay, what's the world? The world is the here and now. Right here, what's in my face? Nothing else matters. What's on TikTok? What's on Instagram? What's the latest thing? What are they telling me is cool or mid or not cool? Like, what is the newest thing? They hurt, see? Young people in the back, they got me on mid. I'm just trying to be relatable. The here and the now. What is telling me? That what's happening tomorrow doesn't matter. That my decisions, the, the things that I put into practice today in my life don't affect the next generation. They don't affect my tomorrow. Just, you know, YOLO, living for today, it's fine. The world. Okay. The flesh. This one's hard. The part of you that wants to be God. And that's not like I'm going to be him like Lucifer. God, I know better than you. I can rule the world. But there is a part of us that says, oh, but I'm going to call my own shots in this area. Remember we said, God, I'm praying for the promotion. I trust you. But I'm also just going to keep doing all of these things that manufacture the result that I have. Or it's the one area that we don't give over to him. You can have all of these other things, God, but I'm not going to let you into this one place because I just know how to take care of it. I know how. It, it says we know better than him. We don't fully trust that our life is in the hands of the one who orders all life. Okay? The flesh. And the devil. Well, that might sound like, yeah, yeah, we know. But here's the thing. The word Satan, the main job for him is to not condemn, and that's what we think. That he comes in and it's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here to make you feel guilty and shameful all the time. No, no, no. The word Satan means accuser, prosecutor. His main job is to come in and accuse you. You call yourself a Christian and that's how you talk to your neighbor? You just completely ignored them. What do you mean? You, you keep, like I said, you keep putting that on your prayer list? You, you should be so much farther in your faith by now. You keep circling back to this? You're always getting passed over and looked over. Nobody really cares about you. Well, you know what? He might be kind of right because he knows that we can sniff out some good BS. We can sniff it out. So he wraps a lie in mostly truth, right? It's almost all true, and then there's this little bit of lie in there. But it's just enough that we start to believe it. We're like, yeah, he's so right. I should be farther along by now. 
I shouldn't be writing that down. I have prayer journals from when we were first married, and I wrote some of the same prayers. And am I discouraged sometimes? Maybe. But I'm like, you know what, God, I'm going to keep trusting you because you've never let me down yet. Maybe I haven't seen it fully come to pass, but I haven't seen myself fail. So I'm still standing on your word, and I know that you order my life. And if I keep remembering that and keep putting that in front of me instead of all of these other thoughts, I'm going to be rooted in peace and joy. Okay. The enemy wants to just continue to remind us of every single time that we failed, every single time we didn't get it right. Maybe it's just missing the mark by this much. He wants to keep putting all of those things in front of our face because it stirs the worry and anxiety. It continues to rock and create doubt in that assurance of our salvation. So it attacks, it picks at, you know, like when you have a scab or whatever, one of my kids' teacher's rules was no picking scabs. I don't know how that became in the top three class rules, but you keep picking at it and you keep picking at it and it gets worse. And he wants to just keep picking at it, keep picking at you until you just want to give up. But here's what we need to do in ordering our thoughts. For every one look at our sin, we take five looks at our Savior. And we remind ourselves that he so loved me. He has not given me a spirit of fear. I am more than a conqueror. I am a child of God. He has created me in his image, and he calls me marvelous. We look at those things and we write them down. And we start finding ourselves singing songs like this one. Blessed assurance. Christ is my firm foundation. The rock on which I stand. The best part of the song is this. When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad. You're like, that sounds ridiculous. But when you have peace... You can. And this is the thing. The world is watching us. They're watching because that, when the world around me is shaken and you're standing on firm foundation, that does not look normal. So they're going, how, how is that happening? How is this how you live? You don't look like anything's getting you. Meanwhile, under the water, you know, you're like the duck feet just going and going. You're like, no, no, I'm, I'm praying and I'm thanking God for it. But I know I am rooted in peace. All right. So I want to ask us some questions this morning. You don't have to stand, but I'd love for you to close your eyes just as we reflect. The first question is this. Do you have the assurance of salvation? that immediately brings joy and peace? Do you have that assurance? Do you believe that for God so loved you that he gave his son for you? Do you have that assurance of salvation? And if not, that's okay. We're going to pray together this morning for you to have that assurance. The next question is, has anxiety, cynicism, or apathy taken the seat in which peace should be sitting in your life? 
you've realized that you had counterfeit peace. You say, God, I don't want counterfeit peace. I want the real thing. I want fresh fruit. And the last question I believe is probably for all of us in this room, and is that, are you cultivating peace? And it's not like a one-time, a farmer doesn't just sow seeds or, you know, reap the harvest, do the whole farmer thing one season. He does it over and over and over again. And peace might very well be one of the things for me personally that I have prayed to cultivate for over 20 years. And here's the thing. It goes back just to the other questions that we've asked in the weeks past where we've asked neighbors and and spouses and friends and and, uh, small group leaders to check our fruit. How's my fruit doing? We need other people involved in this one. Because I've always prayed. I have journal entries from, gosh, a year into our marriage of me writing down prayers and dreams for our, our home and what our home would feel like. And I've always wanted our home to be this place that peace was felt. And it didn't mean quiet. I didn't want a library. I just wanted a place that, that people could come. You know, have you ever been to somebody's house and it just feels like, oh, where, where do I sit? And you could tell you either walked into a fight or it just doesn't feel like you can relax. It feels like there's a lot of stuff buzzing around. And I always wanted our home to feel like a place where people could, could come and just hang out and stay and stay and stay and stay because it just feels fun. It feels restful. And I would say even over the past five years, I haven't realized that this is something that we've been cultivating. Until the last few years, I've had people come in. And in various things, whether it's coming over for dinner, coming over to hang out, have a game night, you know, come into D group. Man, your house just is so peaceful. It's so peaceful here. I like being here. It's peaceful in your home. All the way up until this past Sunday, the youth had a pool party at our neighborhood, and we went up to the pool as they were leaving, and they said, oh, can we all go crash your house? And I said, no problem, I don't care. And we pull up at the house afterwards, forgetting that there's a house full of kids. And I was like, I just wanna sit on my couch, but you're all on my couch, can you get out? But not really, not really. And as soon as we walked in, it wasn't quiet. It wasn't quiet at all. But one of them just said, you know, your house is so peaceful. I could take like the hardest nap right here. I could like sleep in the midst of the craziness. And I was like, have my couch. I'll find someplace else to be. Thank you, God. It's a thing that I've prayed and now I'm seeing it come to pass. Take the longest nap you want on my couch. I don't care because God, I know that you're here. So how are we cultivating peace? Are we bringing order to those thoughts? So this morning, as we sit there and you're reflecting over your questions, I want to pray over us. And I'm going to read this verse out of Romans 15, 13. It says, now the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you would abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you so much for who you are, for your son. 
Lord, I pray this morning that if there's anyone in this room who lacks the assurance of salvation, Lord, your word says that if we believe in you, if we believe in you, that we would not perish. So this morning, I thank you that as people are making that decision in their heart, Lord, and they're saying, that's me, that you are adopting them into the kingdom, God, and you are replacing their worry with the assurance of salvation. Lord, that they would walk out of this room today within a knowing, this deep knowing that they are in your hands and there is nothing the enemy can do to pull us out. I thank you, God, for the assurance of salvation in this house this morning. And Lord, for those of us who who maybe are experiencing counterfeit peace, God, we thank you that you are real and authentic in everything you do. Everything you do is real and authentic. There is no counterfeit in you. So Lord, as we come before you and we order our thoughts and we bring into alignment all of the things that are vying for our attention and we say, God, I'm fixing my eyes on you. I thank you, Lord, that you begin to cultivate real and fresh peace that is rooted in the assurance of our salvation. And God, I thank you that as we continue to cultivate together this fruit of the Spirit, that you go and do your very best work in each of our lives. Lord, as we have learned to be disciples and now we put into practice what you are teaching, we put scripture in front of our face. We put scripture in front of our face. And we remind ourselves to talk to our heart, to talk to our mind. Lord, you have not given us a spirit of fear. But we have the authority to speak to our mind, to speak to our heart, to speak to our thoughts. We pray and thank you in advance, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is helping us bring into order that there would be peace, the steadiness in the midst of the turmoil and and frustrations, God that we can be what the world looks at and says, that's not normal. They shouldn't be that joyful. Everything in, in human nature says that they shouldn't be so confident, but there's something about their life. We thank you, God, that your Holy Spirit is doing its very best work. In Jesus' name.